We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer fans, we have made it. The final episode of the Point Guard Chronicles brought to you by PacersTalk.net is with my man Joe Molinax as we're going to talk about possible trades for Mike Conley. We started this out with Kemba Walker. We're bookending it with Mike Conley Jr., a native of Indiana. Could there be a possibility the Pacers make a trade for him? Me and Joe go back and forth about what the Pacers will have to give up to get Mike Conley. Is it worth it? Does it make sense? You guys are going to like this one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show with Joe Mullinax. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of the Point Guard Chronicles here on PacersTalk.net. I am joined today by the one and only Joe Mullinax. He's the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. If you listen to Locked on Pacers, you might have heard his uh, conversation with Tony East a few weeks ago, but things have changed a little bit since that conversation, and now... The Grizzlies have the second pick in the NBA draft after moving up in the draft lottery and are looking to take John Morant. So, Joe, how you doing, man? I'm doing a lot better since Tuesday night. I tell you what, <laughs> it, it's been a, a long couple of years, and I know Pacers fans, you guys have been fortunate in Indianapolis to have a, a franchise that's been relatively well run for a sustained period of time. Uh, the Grizzlies were the same way, and then the past two years has been really rough. For Memphis, uh, the, the way things have kind of shaken out, new coaches and front office shakeups and things of that nature. So, for the first time in a long time, it, you felt kind of lucky to be a Grizzlies fan, and and, and that was really nice. So, the, the ping pong balls worked in our favor on Tuesday night for sure. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you wanted that number one pick for Zion Williamson, but I think you'll settle for John Morant, a guy that. Really took the NCAA tournament by storm with his big win, upsetting the five-seed Marquette. It was a really fun game, and a lot of people didn't watch Jaw throughout the entire regular season because he wasn't on TV that much playing at Murray State. But we know how guards from smaller schools like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum 
have blossomed into future, you know, future stars. So let me just get your thoughts on this. If Jaw is the pick you guys do take, which I think everybody is expecting that, where does Mike Conley fit in with this team? I think he gets traded. Uh, to me, that is the most natural thing at this stage. It's a very fluid kind of transition. And while I think Mike Conley is a professional enough and he, you know, the relationship between him and the city of Memphis is real enough that I, I don't think he'd be a malcontent if he were to stay on the roster. I think he would do his job to the best of his ability and stay a member of the organization. Uh, I don't think that's what he wants anymore, and I don't think that's what the team wants. So it makes too much sense now, especially with John Morant being the likely pick. You know, there were some rumblings that maybe R.J. Barrett could be of interest to the Grizzlies, and then uh, I think it was Jonathan Giboney of ESPN came out with the report on Wednesday night saying that, yeah, the Grizzlies are locked in on John Morant. And, and I think, barring some unforeseen circumstance, that that will be indeed the case. Yeah. To me, people like to make the Russell Westbrook comparison with Morant, and I think with his explosiveness, that's a natural one. He, he's like if Russell Westbrook and C.J. McCollum had a baby, is kind of what he <laughs> looks like, or Damian Lillard. If they had a child, he doesn't have the jumper of those guys, so I don't want to disrespect their offensive games. He has a ways to go to get to that point. But in terms of his ability to facilitate, in terms of his ability to get to the basket, maybe uh, Russell Westbrook and Trey Young might be a better comparison. Um, but he's not a true Westbrook comp. He's not a true Trey Young. Uh, I, I, in, on Memphis Radio on Thursday, um, Sam Vecini said that he believes that John Morant will be in the top five in the NBA in assists next season, oh, uh, wow. which is just a remarkable thing to say about someone who's, you know, I think five weeks younger than Jaron Jackson Jr. So <laughs> wow. times are bright for, for the Memphis Grizzlies right now. And it's such a different world than we were in 72 hours ago. Uh, when we were talking about whether or not we wanted to send the pick to Boston. But I think John Morant's arrival naturally connects to Mike Conley leaving. And whatever return you get in that Conley trade, plus Morant, plus Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously you're not fixed in a year. It's not like the Grizzlies are going to make the playoffs in 2020. But I do think you are on a much better path than you were projected to be on. And that, that leveling of the lottery, I think, will change things a good bit for the way the teams perceive tanking and, and trying to be ready for whatever they think their future building is going to be. And the Grizzlies were the beneficiaries of that this time around, which they're extremely fortunate to be. So if you're Memphis now and you're looking to deal Conley, do you think there's a draft day trade that happens, or do you think this is something that happens later in the summer? Well, I think it's some, you could definitely agree to a deal and then it be consummated in July when the new league year starts and cap space opens. You know, you see that often, and you see that in other leagues like the NFL and things like that. So I do think that draft night makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you'll have people looking to wheel and deal, and if Memphis really likes somebody who falls in the draft, say to the Minnesota Timberwolves at number 11 overall, or if the Lakers get weird and decide they just want to move on from number four, or from Chicago from seven, you know, there's a lot of different kind of possibilities there now where Memphis could maybe get in to the lottery and get a second pick. And again, we're talking about building a core. If you have say John Morant, John Jackson Jr. And DeAndre Hunter, or if you have those guys and you want to take a swing at Cam Reddish, which I wouldn't do because I don't like Cam Reddish, but I don't either. <laughs> he's an extremely skilled player. I don't disagree with that. It's, it's the, the stuff up top that has me nervous. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, my point is, again, we now live in a world where 
you can have a core of three talented young players, that's realistic. I think Minnesota would absolutely give up the 11th overall pick. Now, is that worth it? You can debate that. Um, the Lakers probably wouldn't give it up four, but I think six or seven is in the realm of possibility. If anyone else wants to give up in exchange for Tommy to make the salaries work. So I think the draft night could be a possibility. Uh, Indiana, again, obviously the point of the reason I'm on the podcast and it makes a lot of sense, too, for a lot of reasons. I think Indiana appreciates Conley, one of the few teams that I think the Grizzlies could actually get close to equal value for Mike. Because a lot of times you see the contract, you see his age, and you think, oh, God, I don't want any part of that. But, you know, teams like the Pacers, the Denver Nuggets, that are not necessarily capped out, and obviously the Pacers are definitely not capped out, but teams like that that have their stars already in place, whether it's Old Depot or whether it's, you know, Jokic in Denver, you want that second in command. And Conley is, is primed to be that for a good basketball team. And if you watch him play, you know that. Uh, Conley's the best player on a bad team, and that's what just happened to the Grizzlies. Uh, you put him as the second or third guy on a, on a really good Indiana team or a really good Denver team, you're a title contender. And, and I think that those two teams in particular make a lot of sense in terms of negotiations because they have a combination of cap space, young players, and picks that could be suitable to what the Grizzlies should be looking for. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things with Conley as well is just one of the reasons I ask if it might be a later you know, trade in the summer is because there are a lot of point guards that are out there on the free agent market this year. And if a team like Dallas misses out on maybe adding a Kimball Walker type player, would they be willing to, you know, figure out a deal maybe where they could take on Conley's contract or, or figure out a, a trade there as well. So those are just kind of thoughts in my head wondering, you know, with all these point guards, do you think there's a possibility that there's teams that aren't willing to make that, you know, make that trade in hopes to get a, conversation with a, with a Kyrie, with a Kemba Walker, even just those guys that are up at the top of the list for the free agents? Well, let's use the Pacers as an example. The, the Oladipo contract expires in two seasons. That's the same situation with Mike Conley's contract. If you were to sign a Kemba Walker, you're maxing him out for four years. So would you rather have four years of Kemba Walker, who I believe is 29 years old, which would put him at 33 or close to 33 at the end of that contract, or would you rather have two years of Mike Conley for less money and still have production there? And if Conley performs well when he gets to that end of his deal and he's 33, and you want to resign him to a two-year deal for 25, 30 million, whatever it might be, you have that option. So in the long run, you're getting Mike Conley for a lesser amount of money than you would Kemba Walker. Same thing with a Kyrie Irving. And I think if Indiana fans are being honest with themselves, and I say this as a Memphis Grizzlies blogger. Uh, they're not getting Kyrie Irving. You know, maybe, right. Kem- maybe Kemba. Uh, Kemba could be possible, but Kyrie's not coming to Indiana. Same thing with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, he, he's a restricted free agent. They'll max him out and match whatever somebody offers him. So it's it's one of those situations where they have to kind of move the market. If you really like Kemba Walker, sure, I guess. But to me, if you're doing the economics of the matter, it, it lines up with Depot's contract. So if you want to sign him to a max deal, it won't stop you from being able to do that without going over the luxury tax. Conley's deal is up in two years and gives you a two-year window to try to compete for a title and then kind of reevaluate. So to me, that, I think people look at the Conley deal in the wrong context. You have to look at it through the broader spectrum of, yeah, it's two years of Conley at $65 million or $67 million, whatever the, the final number is, but compare that to four years and whatever the max number for Kemba Walker would be, something like $125 million or, or even more than that. 
Like, what, what are you what are you kind of comparing it to? I don't think Kemba Walker is that much better than Mike Conley, especially if you put Conley in the Eastern Conference against lighter competition. Yeah, and you make a really good point there, especially with you know Oladipo and Conley's contracts both ending in that 2021 summer. But here's the thing. I think one thing that you look at if you're a Pacer fan, you want to add Kemba possibly more than Conley because you don't have to get you know get rid of an asset. And whether that be a Sabonis, whether that be an Aaron Holiday or multiple picks, I mean, those are things that you can keep while adding to that supply. Um, and I think that might be something that's intriguing to Pacer fans a little bit more than bringing on Conley. And like you said, if they did sign Kimba to a four-year deal, he would be ending that contract at the age of 33, the same age that Conley would be ending his contract at 33, and you would get it for two more years. So that's that's another thing. You get that stability at that point guard position uh, over the next little bit. Now, I do like Mike Conley. I really do. But I, I just think that I know that you, you put a trade together for your for your article where you're talking about Sabonis and Holiday and McDermott and a pick, I believe is what it was, for Conley. And I just don't know if if it would be smart to trade a 23-year-old center on a cheap contract for a 31-year-old point guard who, yes, he's probably got a couple good years left, but after those two years are up, I mean – is he going to start declining? And I think that that's a possibility. Uh, what are your well, thoughts on that? Well, the deal was Dougie McBuckets, who I've wanted to be a Grizzly ever since he came into the league. So <laughs> any him, trade that, that I'm doing through these, uh, no, I don't, I mean, I think what Pacers fans need to understand, kind of going back to your point, you have Miles Turner, you have Victor Oladipo, you're trying to contend now. And if you're not going to start Sabonis and Turner next to each other, I mean, you look at Sabonis's plus or per thirty-six minutes, you, you, uh, his stats. You see his advanced numbers. He's one of the best players on the team, but he only averaged like twenty-one minutes a game last year. Now, Thad Young obviously is a free uh, a, a agent, and he may not be coming back. And maybe you're not high on TJ Leaf, and you like the idea of keeping Sabonis around. But to me, you already got Miles Turner, and you invested in him in a pretty smart contract, the four-year, eighteen million dollar per year. That's a good deal. I think that's a good contract for Indiana, and I wouldn't let that go. I would definitely keep Turner over Sabonis because you're going to have to pay Sabonis in the next year or two. So, And, and if you sign Campbell Walker, are you going to be able to re-sign Sabonis? I think that's a question that you're going to have to evaluate as well. So to me, you've already invested in Turner. You have Doug McDermott, who, you know, again, as you just said, people want him to be gone, so we'll take on that money. You give us a bonus, and it was a first-round pick. It didn't include Holiday as well. It was just okay. a bonus. So you, you give a first-round pickup. I'm pretty sure it was protected. But the protections would work out for the Pacers that if it was in the lottery, you would keep it. And then down the road, if it weren't uh, protected anymore, I think it converted to two second-round picks. So you're, you're really allowing for yourselves to bet on the fact that Conley's going to make you that much more competitive and relevant in the Eastern Conference. You're losing Sabonis, and I agree that that's a pain. But I do think that you have to understand that Memphis, again, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., you've got John Morant more than likely now. And if Jonas Valanciunas leaves, which there's a possibility of that happening, and that also may weigh you know, on, on the minds of the Grizzlies if they decide to trade kindly before uh, Valanciunas opts into his player option, he may opt out. Uh, that was reported this week that he's uh, kind of looking at how Conley is handled in terms of his own sticking around with the Grizzlies. Memphis might need a center. I think Jaron's probably, a lot of people see him as the center of the future, but he, he's a little light. He, he's still not really thick, and I think that he could use a couple more years 
of development in terms of being that five traditionally. And Sabonis and Jaron have similar measurables. They could pretty much be interchangeable in those front court positions. Uh, there doesn't really necessarily need to be a power forward in a center. They can just be two bigs on the right. floor. So I like Sabonis' game a lot. I think he can rebound well, which Jaron doesn't do well right now. He can facilitate well, which is really good. I'm, I'm a big Sabonis fan, and I think that a protected first-round pick, Sabonis and, uh, and McDermott, that's probably pretty good value, in my opinion. You're taking on money that the Pacers don't want. Uh, you're probably going to have to do that if you're the Grizzlies, because obviously the, the county contract is big. You know, you can sell it however you want, but uh, there, that is a lot of money. Uh, you're taking on some of the bad money back. You're getting a, a young player, and you're getting a likely first-round pick, as long as Conley performs the way that he should. And I think that's fair value for Mike at this stage in his career, and, and I'd be happy with that return. Yeah, and I, and I think that some Pacer fans, especially, I was just talking about this with people on Twitter. You know, I, it's just hard for me to see Kevin Pritchard giving up, you know, on Sabonis, who's 23 years old, for a 31 year old point guard. But, you know, what, I mean, from your perspective, could the Pacers really do much better for Sabonis than the Mike Conley? No, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I, I like Sabonis a lot. But again, you also have to, the market determines value. Right. Anybody who's taking an econ class understands that the, the idea of supply and demand. There's a lot of people in theory and supply and free agency this year. But where's the demand to come to Indiana and free agency? And I don't mean that as an insult, because, like I said, Memphis is in arguably an even worse boat than Indiana is. Right. So you have to be smart in terms of how you build your team. The, in, the, the trade with Paul George, everybody crushed at the time, was excellent for the Indiana Pacers. They got a star in Victor Oladipo that they probably would not have been able to get on the open market. Mm-hmm. Mike Conley is a very similar type of player. He is a, a, a good locker room guy. He can come in and seamlessly fit. He's a local dude, so there's a nice natural fit there as well. He, he can play alongside Depot. He can play off ball. One of his strengths as a scorer is when he's not on the ball. So if you want Victor to have the ball in his hands late in games, there's no issue with that. It's a seamless fit, and I think that if you have to give up a young asset, to me, a young big, even more so than Aaron Holiday. There's people in Memphis that even with John Morant and the likely return of DeLon Wright in uh, restricted free agency for the Grizzlies, uh, they probably would prefer Holiday to Sabonis because it's such a guard-driven league. But at the same time, to me, I would take a bet on a big who can do a lot of different things, and Sabonis is that. And while that's smart for Indiana, you've got Miles Turner. And I guess a lot of it maybe comes down to what you see Indiana doing with Thad Young. Do you bring him back? What they do with E.J. Leaf? And what they do in the draft themselves? I mean, especially in the 20s of this draft, which I think is where – because Indiana has their pick this year, right? Yeah, they have the 18th pick. So, I mean, that's 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 Grant Williams' territory. You know what I mean? That you're, you're a Brandon Clark slip away from him falling into your lap at 18. And now you've got a guy under four years of control – what point does Sabonis hold at that point for you? Um, yeah. so that's one of those things that you just have to take into consideration when you're looking at how your roster is built. And again, it's about long-term planning. Do you want four years of Kemba Walker uh, at an, a pretty high price? Or do you want two years of Mike Conley and you can reevaluate? And in theory, if you want to keep Conley for another two years, whatever it might be, it would be at a cheaper price than what that max contract of Kemba Walker would be. 
Yeah, and that's that's one thing that I didn't think about as well as, you know, could you bring Conley back? Uh, would Holiday be ready to take over the reins after two years of being a backup that's point guard too. as well? And then one of the things, you know, the Pacers are eventually going to have to pick between Sabonis and Turner. Um, some might say they already have picked Turner, so Sabonis is the guy that's going to be the odd man out. Somebody asked Kevin Pritchard during the postgame presser, or not postgame, but the postseason presser, um, you know, about Sabonis and basically said that, Sabonis wants a bigger role, and he's going to get a bigger role. Now, that kind of left it an open-ended answer right there, and some people took it as maybe that means they'll be looking to trade him where he can get in, uh, a more you know more minutes somewhere else. So that's one of the things that's kind of hard because I think a lot of Pacer fans have fallen in love with Sabonis and just what he does off the bench and that, that constant that he is. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, he's 20 to 25 minutes a game as a backup center. You're trying to win, and no matter how good your center depth is, you got to get quality starters in this league to be competitive and compete for a championship. So, you know, I I get it, and it's really hard because I'm torn. I'm a huge Sabonis fan. I just I just love what he brings to the table, and he does some things way better than Miles Turner, but Miles Turner does some things way better than Sabonis. So they're very polar opposites of players, and it's just funny to see how teams fit because I was talking with uh, David Grubb, uh, a Pelicans writer, and he was talking to me about how Zion Williamson and Sabonis would not be a good fit, but he thinks Williamson and Turner would be a good fit, and he said maybe there could be a deal there for Turner for Drew Holiday. So it's just funny because I think both these centers bring a lot to the table, and unfortunately the Pacers are going to have to move on from one of them because I don't think they can play together. Do you? It'd be tough. I mean, you see more and more in the league the way that things are kind of going into position with basketball. You don't have, as I kind of mentioned a moment ago, you don't really have traditional power forwards as much anymore, traditional centers. It's kind of divided up into bigs and wings and guards. And however you want to say it, it's not like a one, two, three, four, five, like a lot of us were brought up learning how to play and coach and, and do the game. Um, I do think that it could work in theory. But you need one of those two to be able to be able to defend on switches and hedges on the perimeter. And I think you're asking a lot of Sabonis to do that. Turner is obviously such an elite rim protector. You don't want to ask him to do that too much. You want him closer to the basket, if at all possible. So it would have to be Sabonis. And if you don't think Sabonis is physically capable of doing it, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. can do anything you want him to do. He can defend on the perimeter. He can defend the paint. He's already an elite rim protector in the same conversation is Miles Turner. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, so I don't know which one is better. I'm sure Turner obviously has done it longer, so he deserves that respect. But Jordan Jackson Jr., my point is, can be anything you need him to be defensively, at least projecting that way moving forward. So if you want Sabonis to kind of be hidden behind Jared, it's easier to do that with him than it would be perhaps Turner. So it's possible. Anything's possible. And everything's cyclical. I know you know that. Yeah. Everybody's talking about these positionless things. And five years from now, somebody will be the next Shaq, and they'll show up and dominate the game down low, and, and everything will change again. So it, it's yeah. one of those kinds of situations where you see the game going in a certain direction, and you want to be able to match that up as well as you can. To me, there's a pretty big glaring hole in Indiana. It's at the point guard position. I guess it comes down to how realistic you think Kemba Walker is coming to the Pacers. Yeah. I guess that's possible. Um, but at the same time, to me, if Sabonis is only giving you 20 to 25 minutes a game, if you want to get rid of McDermott anyway, and if all it's going to cost you is a first-round pick that will at worst be 15 overall, and at best in the case of the Pacers, 
probably turn into two second-round picks, I think that's pretty fair value for somebody that's the leading scorer in the franchise's history in Memphis. No, and I think that this trade is the most likely to happen out of all the different trade scenarios I've heard people throw out there. I think the Pacers know that, well, obviously they had interest in Conley because there's rumors about them trading for Conley, you know, before the trade deadline this year. So I do think that there is interest in Mike Conley. I do think that the Pacers want to upgrade that, that starting, you know, backcourt. And ultimately, are they going to attract free agents? They haven't really done a good job of that being in this market. They said they would try. But at the end of the day, if they value making a trade during the draft before, you know, before free agency hits, they might be willing to say, hey, we don't want to even go for Kim, but we'd rather just have a sure thing in Mike Conley instead of missing out on both of them. So that's why I think that this is probably the most intriguing situation with the Pacers and Conley because – go I, ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. To inter- no, you're good. To interject there, Mike Conley wants to be there. That, that's what I want to really make Pacers fans understand. Like He wants to be in the Eastern Conference. He wants to be in a place – where he, I mean, he, he went to high school in Indianapolis. That, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be around that community. He would fit seamlessly. And I think that's really got to be something that you take into account. And Memphis Grizzlies fans, again, we can, we can commiserate in that. You want people that want to be there. And, and I think Mike Conley would really be that guy. You don't have to worry about overpaying him. You have him for two years, and then you can decide what you want to do with him after that. And to me, again, you're not giving up. Victor Oladipo, like that would be insane. To me, <laughs> no. even Miles Turner is, is a bit of a stretch because of what he can do uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, to me, I would much rather have Turner than Sabonis. That's just me. Uh, but I still think Sabonis is really good. You guys have two really good big men. And to me, if you have one that you've already kind of committed to in terms of money, it's just logically lines up. To me, it makes too much sense for Indiana to be the place. Now, that doesn't mean that, I mean, if Denver comes in and offers Gary Harris, I'd rather have Gary Harris than DeMontis Sabonis for the reasons I mentioned earlier in terms of perimeter players kind of dominating the league now. But that would have to be a bidding war kind of situation. Uh, If the Pacers want to compete, they need to upgrade at the point guard position. And I think the best realistic option for them is Mike Conley because any measure that you look at statistically, Mike Conley is a top 25 player in the NBA you could argue that aside from Anthony Davis, no other type players like that are realistically going to be on the market. Yeah, and this is why we've been doing the Point Guard Chronicles here on PacersTalk.net because that is a position the Pacers need to invest in the most. And so I am all for upgrading that position. And I think, honestly, the pain will lessen as the season prolongs and they see the production of Mike Conley. You'll kind of forget about Sabonis and just think, hey, that was a nice pick. that was a nice trade. It worked out nicely for both teams, similar to when they acquired Oladipo and Sabonis for Paul George. So uh, I really appreciate it, my man. Thank you so much, Joe. Where can people find you at on Twitter? And uh, do you have anything coming out now for uh, Grizzly Bear Blues? Well, sure. I mean, obviously, we, we've kind of morphed into John Moran Bear Blues the last couple of days. Uh, <laughs> we covered a lot of them, but we, we have lots of good stuff coming out every day. We're going to have a prospect series starting next week. Uh, taking a look at a lot of guys at the lottery because, again, like I said, Morant might be locked in, quote-unquote, uh, but the Memphis Grizzlies could be picking at 6 or 7 or even 11 with the Timberwolves. There's lots of possible options there in terms of a Conley trade, what they can do. So we'll be breaking down some prospects. We do a community mock draft where uh, 
breeders get to represent different teams and there's interaction in terms of trades and picks and that sort of thing. So you can find me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. Our blog is at SBN Grizzlies. And then our podcast, our flagship podcast, Grizzly Bear Blues Live, you can follow at GBB Live. You can find that on Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you get podcasts. You can find our Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network. So uh, just like you guys, we're, we're putting out that hashtag content uh, as much as we can. And uh, it, it's been a good week for Memphis and the Grizzlies and, and for Grizzly Bear Blues. So uh, that's where you can check us out. Well, awesome, man. I had a lot of fun talking with you and just kind of going through these different scenarios. So really appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully if they do make a trade, we can come back and talk about this trade in a future podcast. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it already. Thank you for having me. All right. See you, Joe. Thank you. All righty, Pacer fans. That does it for the final episode of the Point Guard Chronicles here on PacersTalk.net. Once again, we thank you guys so much for listening to this series. If you missed any of our episodes, go back to PacersTalk.net. Look under the tab that says Setting the Pace. You can find all nine episodes with our great guest covering different point guards that will be available via free agency in the Point Guard Chronicles. We also do a couple guys we could trade for as well. So thank you guys so much, and we hope you guys will reach out to us and let us know what you all thought of the Point Guard Chronicles. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.